Welcome back to Keeping Shit Alive, the podcast where I turn into like a mildly aggressive British aunt who kind of like, you know, grills you on stuff you just don't really care about. And today we're talking reptiles. So, um, this is, this is kind of a thing that I find interesting because you're only really allowed to own three basic types of reptiles in New Zealand. So there's a leopard geckos, bearded dragons, and fire-bellied newts. Now you can own axolotls and turtles, but those are kind of out of the realm of these basic animals as they are semi-aquatic or fully aquatic. So they kind of fall under different categories and have different needs. This, the, the aim of this podcast is to give you something that's more of a general idea or a basic idea of how to take care of stuff. So with plants, obviously it was like watering conditions, how to tell when your plants are unhappy, that sort of stuff. But the, these reptiles are a little bit different because at the end of the day they do all have different requirements so I'm gonna run through the basic needs of each individual reptile rather than giving you an oversight. A lot of the equipment is going to be the same but it's how you use it, temperatures, that sort of thing. Overall they're kind of expensive to get in New Zealand and I'd imagine that like 99% of the reptiles in New Zealand are going to be captive bred instead of wild caught. Now the difference between captive bred and wild caught is captive bred means they've been bred in captivity they're used to people they're not from the wild that sort of thing whereas with how do I explain this like with wild caught they come from the wild now that's not to say people don't import these animals into New Zealand but it is probably cheaper considering quarantine and everything bringing animals into New Zealand that you would have captive bred animals in New Zealand but I could be wrong you never know it's it's kind of an interesting world out there so anyways we're gonna chat about leopard gecko needs so a vivarium is very important I'm, I'm talking like a vivarium think of it as a like a glass tank or, or any sort of tank there are multiple different styles all that kind of stuff so you'll be hearing the word vivarium a lot and it just means like a tank now this vivarium needs to be 86 by 37.5 by 42 centimeters long not wide do not make this a wide tank make this a long tank um make sure you have a screen lid this is to keep your leopard, leopard gecko in because leopard geckos do like kind of climb and you know you just don't you want you want to keep the leopard gecko in and the predators out because if you've got cats and stuff in your house they're gonna try get in a heating mat so a in in a vivarium where you keep a leopard gecko you need to have something called a heat gradient this allows the gecko to maintain their body temperature so as they get cooler they'll move to the warmer side of the tank and as they get warmer they'll move to the cooler side of the tank it means that they have a way to cool down or warm up depending on how they're feeling that day because obviously ambient temperatures do change and some days may be colder or warmer than others the cooler side of your vivarium should generally be kept around 23 to 20 27 degrees Celsius and that's just during the day and the warm spot or the basking area of the vivarium should be between 29 and 33 degrees Celsius. Never let your vivarium temperature reach more than 34 degrees. That is too hot for your gecko, it won't be good for it. The ideal vivarium temperature during the night time though is between 21 and 24 degrees Celsius. Your, your gecko is still going to need a warm spot to lie on because like in nature at night time it would be lying on rocks heated by the sun in order to, in order to like keep itself alive during the cold nights. A like a heat mat or an infrared lamp should be good enough to like replicate that. Basking lamps are very important. You know, they're, they're good to keep the temp during the day. A, a UV lamp with 2% UV light with plenty of hide areas. Your basking lamp helps maintain temperature during the day with the light. So this emulates the sun. A UV lamp is to emulate UV light from the sun. Now these need to be replaced every 10 to 12 months. 
so UV lights do run out of UV, you need to replace them. Otherwise, your gecko is going to end up with something called metabolic bone disease. But I'll chat more about that near the end. And then your infrared heat lamp provides temperature and warmth during the night without a light, which means you don't have to keep the lights on all day. And also, it's a good alternative to heat mats, just because if you don't set them up right, they can burn your lizard. A hydro... A high... <laughs> I know what this is, but I don't know how to pronounce it. A hygrometer. Hygrometer, H-Y-G-O-R meter. It is the way to measure the ideal humidity in your leopard gecko's tank. It should be around 20 to 40% humidity and the correct levels of humidity in your gecko's tank will ensure it can shed properly and stay hydrated. It also reduces the risk of infections. Now, like again, shedding is a really important thing when it comes to your reptiles. You need to make sure that they're able to shed their skin effectively because that can end up with something called stuck shed, which is another thing we'll chat about near the end of the podcast. So you you can use the hygrometer, <laughs> it's so hard to say, a hygrometer to monitor the humidity in the tank. If you find it's too high, try using a smaller water dish. So um, you do need to provide your your geckos with water dishes. There's multiple reasons for that. And water can help your reptiles pass stool. They're good for soaking themselves when they need to shed and also hydrating themselves. So a water dish can also provide humidity. So obviously um, as water evaporates, it will accumulate within the tank or the vivarium. And uh, if it's too high, try increasing airflow through the tank. Try, yeah, just if it's too high, don't use as much water and increase the airflow to keep that humidity circulating. If the humidity is too low, use a bigger water dish or increase the level of moist moss in the tank. So you can add moss to your tanks to just basically help draw, like increase moisture because obviously water is a byproduct of plants, respiratory and, and living things. We've talked about this in the plants podcast. If you don't remember, go back and educate yourself. In summer, you should aim for 14 hours of light for your gecko, followed by 10 hours of darkness. But in winter, you should aim for 12 hours of light, followed by 12 hours of darkness. So just an equal amount of light and dark for the gecko. In terms of diet, now this is a really important one, because people think, oh, it's a gecko, it just eats bugs, or oh, look at these pellets, they're really cheap, and I'm sure that'll do the job. It won't. Don't feed your reptile on just bloody pellets or just worms. Like, geckos should really be fed only live food and no fruit or veg because they need things like waxworms, butterworms, silkworms, but they also need tomato hornworms, beetles, sow bugs, and cockroaches. Waxworms and superworms should only be fed as a treat because they're high in fat. Now everyone just kind of feeds them waxworms and superworms because that's what, you know, the, the typical diet is, but no, you need a lot of variation. And on top of that, add calcium powder to your, your, the diet of the reptile because there's multiple reasons calcium is beneficial but obviously overdoing it can also be detrimental only live food no fruit or veg this isn't like a bearded dragon and i will be getting into the dietary needs of a bearded dragon but please don't feed your leopard gecko anything that is not a bug. Mostly bugs. Please just feed bugs. Make So when you change the, the temperature of your tanks or the amount of light in your tanks, you need to be doing it gradually over several weeks. So this kind of mimics like natural, you know, it, it allows the reptile to adjust. Obviously you need a thermometer, you need suitable substrate and hides, and place your vivarium out of direct sunlight because if you put it in direct sunlight, what's it going to do? It's going to heat up more and then you're gonna get over 34 degrees and your reptile's gonna die. The important one here is suitable 
substrate. Now, I cannot stress this enough. Do not, under any circumstances, put sand in your reptile's vivarium. As much as it's really cool to be like, oh, well, that's the natural environment it came from. The problem is, is that if, you're, if your animal's got a calcium deficiency or you're putting its food straight down onto the sand, it's going to eat the sand and then it's going to get impacted, which means it's a really expensive vet bill. Or even worse, it's going to be like, you know bloody hell, your reptile's gonna die. Like, sand isn't beneficial for anything. May, you know, reptiles do like a wee bit of digging, but honestly, it's not worth it considering like you can maybe just have like a bit of enrichment time with some reptile safe sand rather than having it in the tank at all times. Ah, uh, now we got that out of the way. Bearded dragon needs. Bearded dragons need a big vivarium, at least 1.2 by 6 by 6 meters. It needs to be melamine, not glass, melamine. Um, the correct temperature you should be keeping your bearded dragon at. And again, it is a temperature spectrum, like a, a, you know, um, temp gradient. So, you know, at the warmer end of your vivarium, you should aim for a hot spot of around 37 degrees Celsius. And the cooler end of the vivarium should be around 26 degrees. Now, the best nighttime temperature for your bearded dragon's vivarium, so this is at nighttime, is 21 degrees. A basking light is recommended, also known as a spot lamp. It's held in a reflector that directs the light down onto a basking spot. So this is something like a rock or anything that will basically like hold heat but not like burn your reptile. You can heat like the basking spot at night. This is optional. Temperature drops allow them to thermoregulate. So if, if you're providing them with warmth throughout the night as well, they're less likely to do more. You know, the temperature changes means the bearded dragon wakes up, basks, gets the energy to do stuff, all that kind of stuff. Again, like I said before, UVB lighting. This is a really, really, really important one if you don't want your animal to have, you know, metabolic bone disease, which is really bad for them. You should provide full spectrum UVB lighting for your bearded dragon, and your bearded dragon should receive around 14 to 16 hours of UV exposure during the summer months and 10 to 12 during winter. Now, you need to be placing your UV light 12 inches from the floor of the enclosure so far enough away that it's not going to burn your reptile but close enough that the reptile is going to get uv exposure again replace this every 10 to 12 months because otherwise again you're gonna end up with metabolic bone disease and it's not good and i will talk about that more at the end of the podcast now, this is kind of a, a, an interesting toss-up depending on what you decide to do with your bearded dragon setup. I'm not going to re recommend one more than the other, basically. Dimming and pulse thermostats. Um, dimming thermostat is most suitable if you use a spot lamp. So obviously the directing, like, directing light and heat through the reflector in the lamp. Whereas a pulse thermostat is more suitable for a non-light emitting source. So something like a heat mat or a deep heat projector. On top of that, you need thermometer to measure the temperature in the vivarium. Try and get one for each end so you can regulate how warm or cool each end of the um, temperature grid is. Substrate, once again, sand is shit. Sand is shit. Don't get sand. It will, your, your bearded dragon's just gonna get impacted, especially if it's got calcium deficiencies because it's just gonna eat the sand and then you've got a really sick bearded dragon and that's not how you keep shit alive. In addition, vivarium decoration. Get a dark rock below the basking spot you decide to set up to get radiated heat from, like, basically when the bearded dragon's not on it and you turn the lamp on, the rock's gonna maintain the heat that it's projected onto it. And then um, your bearded dragon, when it does sit on it, is gonna get heat from below and above, which is really beneficial. Keep away from direct sunlight drafts. Don't put uh, your bearded dragon enclosure near drafts because it's gonna like 
mess up all your temperatures and it's not going to be nice for the beardie. And keep it away from busy areas of the home because you are going to stress your animal out. I didn't say that with a leopard gecko, but you know, uh, leopard geckos are slightly more chill. But yeah, it's best to just keep it away from busy areas at any point, any reptile really. Moving on to fire-bellied newts. If you choose to house fire-bellied newts together, that's cool, but don't house fire-bellied newts with other animals. Fire-bellied newts secrete a toxin from their skin that can harm inhabitants with prolonged exposure. Um, now, housing is pretty easy. An aquarium or glass terrarium will be needed to house your fire-bellied newts. Fire-bellied newts are semi-aquatic, so like turtles, but turtles have a whole other like thing of, of care that's like completely different to this. They need a 70-30 split within their tank, so... Um, you know, just split it up into like water and land, etc. Um, with 30% being land base and the other being water area. Alternatively, you could have a fully aquatic setup with floating islands of cork bark or large rocks protruding out of the water. This is so your, your newts can get out and bask and rest and not have to be swimming all the time because like they, they are, they, they, they consume oxygen and stuff. So you just need to be careful. They are very good at escaping. So, uh, you should take care to ensure that your tank has a tight fitting lid. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a dried out skink and it's just like not going to be nice. In terms of diet, fire-bellied newts should be fed two to three times a week with a varied diet appropriately sized. So things like bloodworms, earthworms, maggots, insect larvae, and white worms. Now, obviously you're going to need basking setup and things like that, but there's very limited info and I have collated as much as I can and I genuinely cannot find anything about how to like, like temperatures for basking, whether they're they just need like general UVB stuff like that but again if you reach out to your like supplier they'll be able to set you up with proper effective housing for your your newts I know this podcast is meant to be like oh here's the basic care but even then like your resources are very limited here so now we're going to be moving on to diseases now these are ones I've mentioned throughout and they're the most common and it's just it's easily preventable it's just people don't give a shit about their animals to be fair. A metabolic bone disease is a complex disease that is associated with the derangement of the metabolism of calcium, phosphorus, and vitamin D. Uh, it's caused due to poor husbandry and other diseases. So if you know, if you're not giving your animals enough calcium, if they're not getting enough UVB, they're gonna start ending up with these like twisted, really yuck looking limbs. And it's gonna really affect their quality of life because some can end up with crooked jaws, some can end up with um, limbs stuck in place. Like it all just genuinely depends on like how you're housing your animals yeah just just avoid it like it, it's not hard to just like put a uv lamp in your animal's enclosure and make sure you change it every 10 to 12 months obviously if you're having malfunctions change your brand that sort of thing now i'm going to talk about stuck shed so bearded dragons and leopard geckos shed i'm assuming fire-bellied newts do as well but it probably is a different process to these land animals if a reptile has stuck shed the best thing to do is soak it in a tupperware container now now you'll be able to know if your animals got stuck shed because there'll be like layers and layers of like hardened skin they're gonna look a bit grayish bit white so basically get a tup tupperware container with holes in the top make it about shoulder deep for your animal and soak them for 30 minutes daily make sure to watch your reptile while it soaks make sure it doesn't like you know drown itself or anything like that make sure that shit stays alive after a few soaks dead skin should be coming off but if not 
that a reptile is most likely rotting. So this means that there's so much, like, so many layers of dead skin that it's just constricted the blood flow and that area is just dying. If a reptile has blackened skin, this means that it is rotting. Eventually, if it's not treated correctly, the rot will spread and kill the reptile. So you know, like sepsis, like how people do. If your reptile is rotting, the best thing to do is to treat it with betadine, like a 10% iodine treatment. This treatment can reverse rot, but it also, like it isn't always successful if the rot is severe. And you can find it on Amazon at like expensive rates, but just like go to a chemist. They sell betadine real cheap, you'll be good. Apply the betadine, soak only the reptile's affected areas in a tub of water if possible. But yeah, just only apply the betadine to the affected areas. Add drops of betadine until the water becomes a yellowish color. Let the reptile soak for eight to 10 minutes. But obviously if the reptile is stressed, like take them out, like the last thing you need is them dying of shock. Um, after the soak, you can apply something like aloe vera to help get the dead skin off and repeat the process. You know, this is just like ways that you can avoid expenses at reptile vets because they are quite expensive. Exotic vets are also hard to come by, especially good ones. Most vets aren't trained to deal with exotics. So if your animal is wild caught or you're feeding your animal food that has been caught from the wild, your, your reptile could have parasites. If you suspect your reptile has parasites for whatever reason, so if it develops metabolic bone disease, stuck shed or starts to rapidly lose weight, doesn't put weight on, all that kind of stuff, see an exotic vet. And in fact, this applies for everything. If you see no improvement in your animal's condition, like with the shed, or you start to see metabolic bone disease, consult a vet. Tell them because using vets while they're expensive, that's how you keep that shit alive. You know, your your local pet store and your local vet are your best friends to an extent. Like at the end of the day, if you can't find the info on something, they'll be able to find it on on whatever. Like I work at a pet store and the people there are just ridiculously knowledgeable about what's going on. I'm still learning. So I don't know. There you go. There's your basic needs on how to keep reptiles alive. And coming up in the next episode, we'll be chatting about birds. So keep an ear out for that one and continue to keep your shit alive. I'm Ellie and thank you for listening.